0: Before you listen to this episode of the Lost Teams Podcast, I just want to apologize for releasing the unedited version. Uh, I didn't realize that I did that. I don't think anything too offensive was said, but if you were looking for the polished version, uh, here it is. Uh, If you enjoyed it, you're welcome, but uh, sorry about that. And also, in this episode, I refer to the All-American Football League repeatedly. It's actually the All-American Football Conference, but uh, I don't want to record this whole episode over again, so... um, Just let's let bygones be bygones. Uh, Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Ciudelli. With me again today is my fellow co-host, Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: Ah, doing all right. How are you
0: doing? Doing well. Been running around with the uh, the toddler all day, so I'm kind of a little <laughs> scatterbrained, <tired. laughs> but uh, I think this is going to be a good, I think we got a good episode on tap, so this should go well. Yeah, it um, should be great. So we're, we've, we're doing a little bit of a change, something we've done before again, uh, but Andrew, you're going to do uh, hockey nicknames this time, right?
1: Yep. uh, Hockey nicknames, nothing, uh, not like that top five, but just five players that I found that are funny and uh, just kind of scary too. (laughs) (laughs) We all
0: know in hockey, there's definitely some uh, elite nicknames before you even just regular names. So once we get into the nicknames, that should be good. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you guys the story leading off of the Los Angeles Don's who were a team in the All-American Football League, the AAFL, uh, right after World War II. And this story kind of blew my mind. I had barely heard anything about the Los Angeles Dons football team. but I haven't heard
1: of them ever.
0: They were incredible. I mean, it was another incredible kind of groundbreaking team. Uh, and that they were in our own backyard is kind of mind-blowing to me because I had no idea. Yeah. So I guess I'll get started. Uh, My sources were the American Football Fandom Wiki uh, and an article called The Dons of LA Pro Sports by Jerry Crow, uh, a 2006 LA Times article, and then just Wikipedia. So I should get into it. So the LA Dons were founded in 1946 in this league called the All-American Football League. I haven't been able to find out why they named the team, the Dons. If uh, anyone can tell us, please let us know on Twitter. Uh, their logo is just a guy, like a picture of a guy. looks like maybe, maybe a, a Hispanic or Latin guy. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe after Donna Mesh, who was a co-owner, the guy who played Mortimer could be, uh, but yeah, couldn't figure out why they're called the Dons. The league and teams were, like I said, just now groundbreaking on a ton of levels. We talked about rival leagues, bringing up salaries in other leagues, like the uh, world hockey association, bringing up salaries in the NHL. Uh, same thing with the federal baseball league doing so at least for a brief period of time in baseball uh, and bring and but that wasn't all that the LA Dons did in the um, all American football league. They kind of broke ground for pro sports in Los Angeles altogether uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. So they played all their games in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. For those of you who either don't know anything about football or just have your heads buried into the ground uh, or don't live in Los Angeles, that's an excuse too. Uh, the Coliseum is a big famous stadium in LA where the USC Trojans play football. It also hosted the Olympics multiple times. And behind Dodger Stadium, it's probably the most famous stadium in Los Angeles. Maybe the Rose Bowl is tied with it. How uh, old is the Coliseum? Do you know? Oh, man. I think it was built in the 30s. I think it was built for the first Olympics that was held here, which I think was in the 30s. I, I might yeah. be wrong, but uh, it was. Uh, it's an old stadium. And you can tell yeah. by watching a game there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never uh, been there. Yeah. It, It is, they did a renovation like two or three years ago, but it's pretty (laughs) decrepit. Their seats, it's like sitting on a torture device. It hurts. (laughs) Uh, So they played in the Memorial Coliseum. They were actually the first professional sports team, like I said, to play a game in Los Angeles. They played a game just a couple weeks before the LA Rams played their first game in 1946. The Rams had moved from Cleveland, I believe. So uh it was just just squeaked out as the first professional sports team to play a game in Los Angeles and that was because uh-huh. world world war 2 before world war 2 there was kind of a barrier to playing professional sports on the west coast and that was that every all the major teams were on the east coast and getting here was just a haul like it, yeah,
1: it had to be tough i mean they take a train or what what they yeah, do?
0: Yeah. I mean they would take trains and, and we covered talked, wagons. Yeah. We we made fun about that Winnipeg thing last episode, like yeah. the friggin' Oregon Trail getting over from like imagine the Yankees coming over to play somewhere in California. It's like uh, good luck surviving that trip. Right? Oh, yeah. So after World War Two, obviously, air 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 travel was much more popular, and planes were much safer. So, commercial air travel enabled professional sports to spread out to the West Coast. So that's what happened.
1: Any any time I think of people flying back then, I just imagine like a giant smoke cloud in in the
0: <laughs> in the
1: plane, and people just smoking. The, no, oh, people yeah, yeah. smoking cigarettes.
0: Yeah, for sure. That, it's, it's just
1: crazy to me. That Yeah.
0: That, that was used to I go mean, on. Yeah, so, that's, such already claustrophobic. That was banned before I was born. So that, it's such a foreign concept to me that I just right. can't imagine it. <laughs> um, so, like I said, the first pro team by two weeks before the LA Rams moved from Cleveland. The AAFC, the All-American Football League, was founded as a competitor to the NFL. It included eight teams from all over the country. It was really the first league to... Be throughout the United States with franchises in Buffalo, Chicago, Cleveland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Miami, New York, and Brooklyn. And I'm going to go through the names a little bit because we've spoken about this before too. There are going to be some names you recognize that still exist today. There are going to be some names that confuse you because they're actually baseball teams. (laughs) So the Buffalo Bisons, Chicago Rockets, Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Dons, the San Francisco 49ers, who are obviously still around,
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: the Miami Seahawks, the New York Yankees, and the Brooklyn Dodgers. (laughs) (laughs) And the Yankees and Dodgers both played at their respective stadiums where the baseball teams played, the Yankees Stadium and Ebbets. So... Real lack of originality back in those days it wasn't in much. American football. It was considered on par or better than the NFL, but it also added the regular use of zone defenses in football and 14-game schedules in football. And that oh. that little tidbit came from the LA Times.
1: So, so what, were, um, what was the schedule like in the NFL then? Or the, they the must have played. Rams were in?
0: Yeah, they must have switched. Because when we talked about the Yellow Jackets, we talked about how they played in the regular season, like eight, up to 18 games. But I think when the NFL became more popular, I think they moved down to maybe, I want to say 12 games. That would make sense. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but
1: yeah, 14 game schedules. Uh, Also, I wonder why they decided, can you imagine if football was like played every day, like the NHL or NBA or every other day, everybody would be in a wheelchair (laughs) by retirement. I wonder who, who was like, Hey, we can't have these guys playing. Every other day,
0: maybe it was like carried over from like rugby or something way yeah, back in the probably. day. They're like, this is a sport of we, we this is a sport of gentlemen. What's the saying of rugby versus soccer? It's like soccer is a is, a, is like a rough of a like a rough man. No, soccer is a, a gentleman sport played by ruffians, and rugby is a rough sport played by gentlemen or something. Maybe they played every day. They had their like their fancy dinners on Saturday. I, I'm just making yeah. this crap up. <laughs> so uh don't worry where you got that. that neither do i i that just came straight out of my messed up brain your archive is,
1: <laughs> yeah. your archives in your brain
0: um so the creator of the league was arch ward he was a sports editor for the chicago tribune who was also the creator of baseball's all-star game and football's college all-star game which actually was uh college all-stars facing off against the nfl champion. <laughs> So we talked about that, uh, back when we did the yellow jackets as well. So that was, and my dad emailed me after he listened to the episode, that was actually a thing which I had forgotten about for like 30 years. The best players in college would play the super bowl champion from the previous year.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And they would win this era, especially during this era, which I'll get to in a little bit. Don't you think Alabama would beat some teams No, or no ah, no chance? They might. I don't (laughs) even think the Jets, the Jets kind of pulled it together at the end of the season. I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But it actually, back in this era, college football was more popular. It was at the NFL. I read somewhere the NFL players looked looked on as kind of mercenaries. So it wasn't wasn't like it was out of the blue for these college teams to beat pros. Uh Uh, But that game ended in the 70s when – the college all-stars played the steel curtain Steelers uh, in like a field that was underwater and guys were just getting injured left and right. So at that point the game was canceled and by that time the NFL was winning all those games. So, oh, okay, yeah, but it was a thing turns out, and it was created by this arch Ward guy. So in 19, back to the, back to the, uh, the Dons in 1946, the year the Rams moved. And I think that was the year they won the NFL championship. Uh, oh, sorry. One more thing about college versus
1: pros. 19- have, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, do you have any background on why they were called the dons, <laughs> like the mafia on the team I, or something? That's a good question. I should look that up. <laughs> just because it. I like I, we talk about some yeah. of these names back then, how a lot of the same names were used and then, yeah. Just the Dons out of nowhere. It's a pretty I'll, cool name,
0: actually. I'll, it is. I'll look that up at the end, and then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll splice it in. So, the 1946 was the year the Cleveland Rams moved to Los Angeles, and they had just won the NFL championship. So, they were defending their title. They lost to the college all-stars 16 to nothing, if you can believe that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, if it gives you a clue which league these superior college players perform prefer, preferred, 66 of the college all-stars on that team that had beaten the Rams signed with AAFC teams, All-American Football Conference teams. It was really the, the talent was going to the AFL rather than the NFL. They were getting paid more. I found a quote in the LA Times by a former player by the name of Dick Danahy who played at USC in the early 40s before joining the war effort, said the Dons paid him $5,000 for the 1947 season, including a $500 bonus, which was about $1,500 more than the NFL's Detroit Lions had originally offered him. And he went on on to say, in today's world, $5,000 doesn't sound like much, but I could buy a Cadillac for $1,000. It was more money than most of us had ever seen in our lives. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And the all America football conference or the all America conference really raises salary level, which so, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It, like that salary
1: back then was huge. You, you, you never like some of the older teams we've talked about from that time period. Like they were making, they maybe get paid in a dinner that night. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: then this last quote kind of bringing the, the whole AAFC thing to a close Uh, The AAFC urging its teams to go out and sign as many players as possible did not conduct a draft before its inaugural season. A move it later lamented because the Browns and their intuitive coach Paul Brown corralled so many great players. So this would come into play why the Dons disappeared Uh and why the AAFC disappeared altogether. I'll get to that at the very end. Um, But that's just kind of foreshadowing. Sure. So the Dons were owned by Benjamin Lindheimer who owned a bunch of racetracks as well as, and it was co-owned by Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Don Amesh, who was an actor and radio star. Was Frank Sinatra in there? No, he was not. Know. But uh, this,
1: He usually had his hands in something. In those yeah, days.
0: he was the actual Don. He was hanging out with the actual Dons. <laughs> um, and then this Don Amish guy, well, I didn't know who he was, but he's dead by now. But he play, He was in movie the movie Trading Places as well as Cocoon for uh semi-recent was he like,
1: Mortimer was he Mortimer one in, of the tra- trading places with the movie with Eddie Murphy right yeah I think so and then the, there was the two really rich old um white guys and then he t- trades places with Dan Aykroyd obviously yeah right? he was Donna Mesh as Mortimer Duke Mortimer I was right
0: yeah so <laughs> Mortimer will co owned the LA Dons yeah. Uh, believe it or not. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. It's probably a travesty. Oh, it's you got to see it. <laughs> I'll check it out. So it was like
1: uh it's like um, that time period when uh, coming to America was out too. So Eddie Murphy was, he was really popular.
0: Yeah. And the final co-owner of the Dons was the co-founder of MGM, Louis B. Meyer.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and there's a guy named Francisco Gonzalez listed on Wikipedia. This is why at boys and girls don't trust Wikipedia I didn't see him listed anywhere else or mentioned as a co-owner and everyone else kind of matched up. So that could be complete BS, but if Francisco Gonzalez's family is somehow listening and he wasn't part owner of the dons, (laughs) there you go. Uh, so that was their ownership. They were coached by a guy (laughs) with an amazing nickname, Dudley dud de Groot triple D triple D and his nickname is the dud, (laughs) the dud. Wow. But uh, he, Dad, he, oh. he was no dud. He was a former Stanford college football player who had already gotten his PhD uh-huh. and coached with a team called the Washington Football Club before joining the Dons. Not current Redskins or, excuse me, Washington football team. Uh, there was a Washington football club at some point. Oh, okay. So the Dons opened their schedule in their first season uh, before 19,000 fans and beat the Brooklyn Dodgers 20-14. to 14. That's quite a big crowd for back then. Yeah, it is. It was not. If you know anything about the Coliseum, the, it seats upwards of eighty five, ninety thousand people.
1: So yeah. it was really about a, a fifth full, but that's pretty good. Do you, but do you think they didn't just add on to the stadium and like no. years later, or was it that it big was, at that it time? It was already
0: that big because oh, there's something coming up. Okay. Uh, the Dons went 7-5-2 and two in their first season and 7-7 seven, seven in their next two, followed by 4-8 in their final season. They never made the playoffs, but they had some huge, huge impacts and success even besides that. Yeah. They outdrew the Rams three times in their four seasons of existence, which is impressive because the Rams had moved from Cleveland to L.A., and when they moved from Cleveland to L.A., they were already the NFL champions, which – I don't know. It says a lot to me either about how popular football was back then or wasn't compared to college football and baseball. It also really says that nobody ever has cared about the Rams.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, that's it's too bad. Well, in St. Louis. No, well, they
0: don't really care about the Rams either. I mean, that's why they moved. <laughs>
1: well, and Cronky's, pretty – I don't know about Stan Kroenke. It seemed like he just wanted to move the team to L.A. for yeah, not really any reason. I don't know. Just – From
0: what I've seen. Yeah, I I agree. I think they're obviously don't want to insult St. Louis football fans, but uh, I don't think they were hugely popular, even compared to the blues and the, and the uh, Cardinals.
1: Yeah. Those teams are hugely popular, especially the Cardinal.
0: Yeah. So 1947, they drew their most fans, not only in their whole time, but at the time, the most fans that had ever seen a professional sports game in the United States at 82,576, Crazy when they played against the New York Yankees, which was... Uh, <laughs> they ha- Bombers of football. <laughs> yeah. There has to be... There's almost 100,000 people in the stands. You know one of them thought they were going to see the New York Yankees play baseball for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know one of them had to be like watching and like, wait, what? This is yeah, not, no, biz, not baseball? <laughs> what did they change no, the
1: rules? No internet, nothing. They had no idea, probably. Some that, people are like, oh, because baseball was way more popular back then.
0: Yeah, and like we talked about before, there was always these like weird intersections with the New York Yankees. The 1947 yeah. Yankees were also really good. The baseball mm-hmm. team, they won the yeah. World Series and they had Yogi Berra, Phil Rizzuto, and Joe Di- DiMaggio. So What a squad. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that people thought that they were, uh, <laughs> a few of them at least, thought they were going to go see baseball's New York Yankees.
1: Sure.
0: Um, and then in 1948, the Dons attracted more fans than every NFL team. So outdrew every NFL team, which is pretty good. But you wonder why they didn't have success. So here comes the downfall of the All-American Football Conference. It was partially due to that the teams played paid players too much. Um, They just...
1: (laughs) When do you ever hear of a a league even now paying players? Well, obviously the four major sports, they get paid plenty. But these leagues that come up like the XFL trying to come back and like, you never hear of them like, oh, we were playing, paying our players too much, so we had to fold. Yeah, I mean, it's the back in the WHA
0: times and uh, the Federal Baseball League and stuff. I mean, they were trying to draw currently established big name players away, so they had to pay more. I That's mean, there true. Was, Good point. There was no other option, but yeah. uh, these teams like the XFL, like they're not, they're not trying to draw NFL players.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they I can't just, imagine the contracts were. Yeah, Huge. is that even? Is it what? I think the Rock bought the whole league recently. Yeah, they were like on pause or something. <laughs>
0: uh, so here's no. the other reason why the AAFC and the Dons as a whole folded, and this is actually mind blowing, just because of both the name of the team and the incredible success they had. Uh, lack of competition was a major problem for the AAFC, not in terms of quality of overall play, but because the Cleveland fucking Browns <laughs> dominated the league. Sure. The Cleveland Browns. They won the title all four seasons the league existed. Man. They went in in their entire four seasons, 52, 4, and 3. But guess who they lost to out of two of those four times? The New York Yankees. Nope. <laughs> the Los Angeles Dons. <laughs> Good try though. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. They they played baseball against the (laughs) Yankees. The Dons had beaten the Browns twice during their existence: seventeen to six in nineteen forty-six and thirteen to ten in nineteen forty-seven. So they were a good team. They just couldn't pull it together when they needed to. Yeah. But more about the Cleveland Browns, who I, I definitely want to talk about in a future episode more because they were so interesting. They slaughtered all the other teams they played against. In 1948, they went 15-0 and won the title. They beat the old Buffalo Bills 49-7 to in the title game. And this is not the new Buffalo. This this doesn't have like a – it was just a team in Buffalo called themselves the Bills, then went out of existence. Then the new Bills came along and used that name. I see. Or not new, they're not – but the current Bills. Mm-hmm. So the AAFC folded – and three AFC teams went to the NFL, the 49ers, the Baltimore Colts, who this is also confusing, uh, were not the Baltimore Colts that ended up moving to Indianapolis. These Baltimore Colts, Colts started in the AFC, moved to the NFL, and then went out of business. So another <laughs> uh, another episode we'll promise you guys in the future.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, a, lot of, a lot of correlating names.
0: Like Yeah. It's just lack of originality. But at some point, all the names are gone. All the nicknames are gone. I mean, in our era, you can't use a lot of names because they're not PC, rightfully so, for some. The Colts eventually moved to Indy. Not the same Colts, though. Uh, Those Colts were founded in 1950, and then there was the Browns. Mm -hmm. So the Browns joined the NFL, went to the title game their first six years that they were in the NFL and won three. And if you've ever wondered why the team is named the Browns, they were named after their coach, Paul Brown. Who coached them from 1946 to 1962? That's another story altogether. So, Legendary coach. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the Browns are the Browns.
1: Oh, I had no so, idea.
0: The final nail in the coffin was when their wealthy investor, Lindheimer, I believe his name was. What did it start? Lindheimer, mm-hmm. that I said at the beginning, uh, was diagnosed with a heart condition and told to get out of football for his own health. So it's stressful. Yeah, so that was the final nail in the coffin of the AAFC. And one last thing about the Dons this is another thread that we've talked about in other sports where baseball and hockey, where it comes, uh, there's a lawsuit filed against the ownership of and the dominance of a certain Lee. So, William Radovich, who was a Dons player and had played for the Detroit Lions before was blacklisted from the NFL. When he wanted to return to the NFL, he sued, and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court in Radovich versus the National Football League. In that decision, the Supreme Court decided that, unlike Major League Baseball, football was bound by antitrust laws. So Uh I don't (laughs) – this is where it's confusing. Unfortunately, Radovich never played in the NFL again. But this isn't law school, so if you want to find out why the rules uh, were different for the NFL and why somehow the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Radovich, but he didn't play anymore, uh, go get a law degree, because I have no idea how to explain that. <laughs> it <laughs> we, doesn't even make sense.
1: It doesn't really make sense. Um, there, remember there, we talked about in a previous episode about a baseball player? can't remember his name. He was blacklisted also for a little bit. Then he made a comeback like... Six years ago, and I think it was because he just sucked. It was the pre, it was the
0: previous nicknames episode. The guy was yeah. just old as shit and couldn't play in 1900s, I 1890s. Couldn't remember his name. Like he was a
1: decent player and then had a bad year and then got banned for being garbage, I guess. Maybe he was just doing something else crappy also behind the scenes, right? Right. Uh,
0: but that'll do it for the LA Dons. Let's get uh, let's get this nickname discussion going again.
1: Sure, let's do it. Um, I actually. As Anthony mentioned, and I think I mentioned too that I'm going to do hockey nicknames today. Um, Just a list of five guys because we might do this segment again. Um, And it's in no particular order. And it's also not like the best nicknames, or it was just some nicknames that I found, while some funny. And then a couple just straight up, like scary, so and when I tell you what player it is, you'll be like, "Yeah, I'm scared." <laughs> so uh, let's start it off here. My first player is a guy, <laughs> actually, Anthony and I talk about quite a bit, so you'll like this one. Dustin, Pencakes, Penner. <laughs> <laughs> I think Twitter gave him that nickname, but uh, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, so Dustin Penner had the choice of making up a story to cover his back um, spasm injury, but luckily for ever um, for everyone, he decided that he was just going to own up to it and admit how he really got hurt. So while he was getting ready to dive into a stack of pancakes, he threw out his back and was forced to hobble um, his way to the team doctor for for treatment. <laughs> Oh boy. It's just
0: that guy is a interesting, if you want some hours of entertainment or frustration, just very,
1: very active on Twitter. Yeah. And you know, as you know, fans like to remind him of that story on Twitter, Uh, definitely Twitter trolls. Um, Yeah. So he, as I said, he's very active on Twitter. He's actually from Winkler Manitoba played for the Anaheim ducks Edmonton Oilers, Los Angeles Kings, and Washington Capitals in his career. Um, he had a 310 points, which is very respectable. He was a good player um, mm-hmm. and played in 589 regular season games.
0: His first, his first kind of steps in the NHL were ridiculously good. I mean, he yeah. played and he, he played really he actually, well with the Ducks team.
1: He actually had an interesting background. I know that he was playing club hockey in at Minot State in North Dakota and. Um, Someone saw him, and I don't know if it was like a tournament or whatever, but a scout saw him, and next thing you know, he was playing at the University of Maine. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something,
0: especially in hockey, if you go look at Dustin Penner's uh, elite prospects.
1: Yeah, he was cut by a lot of teams before then, like when he was a kid, like the top teams in his area,
0: so... And I should say this is not, I think i uh, probably speaking for both of us. We uh-huh. both respect his hockey career. And of course, uh, as a person, I do not promote or support anything that he says or does uh, on social media. Cause that's the only thing I can see, but uh, let me just put that out there.
1: Yeah. We were, and you know what we didn't. Yeah, exactly. Of course. We were just saying he was active on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> it's the truth. So anyways, Enough about pancakes here. Um, let's go into Steve. You're gonna love this one. The puck goes Insky-Bazinski. Oh, is he a goalie? No, let me say that again. Steve, the puck goes insky Bazinsky. I said it right. I think. The <laughs>
0: is first time. he a goalie, or is he? In, uh, this is of too. Of course, nasty. he's a goalie. Oh boy,
1: that's just <laughs> that's rough. So Bazinski once allowed 33 goals in four oh. games. At the end, is this the NHL? Yes, but it was in oh, oh, oh. one season, 1942-1943
0: season. Where all the good players
1: were off fighting in the in the in World War II. Yeah, so <laughs> along those 33 goals in 44, I mean, sorry, in four games, um, obviously his career didn't last too long. Hmm. Um, he will also go and go down in history as the goalie who Maurice Richard scored his first goal against. So that's, that's interesting. pretty cool.
0: That is great. I've actually would love to, I've got a quick story. So I know, uh, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but Dave Reese, who was a goalie for the Boston Bruins, who, before I say this great guy, super friendly, I haven't talked to him for a few years, but awesome, Uh awesome guy. Um, he has the record for allowing the most goals to a single player in a single game. He was the goalie when Daryl Sittler, Scored all those goals oh, uh, in yeah. one game, but wow. he uh, he has Sittler. I think said, "Oh, I heard I heard Dave Reese jumped off a uh, a bridge to some train tracks, but the train went between his legs." So similar. Oh, Puck Gozinski-Bezinski is that a similar. Is harsh. Oh. yeah,
1: stuff. That's, that's a. Speaking of Twitter, that's uh, that'd be a troll now saying yeah. that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, going back to Bozinski – um, the Puck Gozinski, I should call him. Um, he played in nine games um, with a record of two six and one, and a goals against average of 589, Ooh, five eighty nine. How many 89. goals did his team score when they <laughs> when he
0: won those two games? I don't know. It, obviously, it, it too must hard have, to have tell. been just like a six
1: five. That was more of a more cool question. Who who did he play for? He played for the Rangers, New York okay, Rangers. There we go. Yep. Uh, yeah, so quite uh, quite a nickname there, and yeah. unfortunately he didn't last in too, too long in the NHL. But he will be remembered for being scored on by a very um, one of hockey's obviously legends in the sport, uh, Maurice Richard. So, absolutely right. So yeah, uh, that's Steve Bazinski. Um, our next, once again, another goalie here, Andre redlight Light Rasico. Oh, I know that's a it's a great name. I yeah, love that nickname. nickname. Yeah, and I think don't quote me on this, but I think you know hockey personality Don Cherry came up with that name because yeah. I remember watching when I was a kid watching those Brockham um, sockham hockey videos mm. and Red Light rascal, He just torched Red Light Rascal. I remember. Um, so that's. How I know I knew this nickname already. Um, yeah, so and he to, was a
0: he was a goalie too.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he so. had a uh, a career. Is it? Do I say point eight eighty save percentage? or Do you say eight eighty? I forget. I think eight eighty. Okay. okay. So he had a career eight eighty save percentage. And uh, 3.50 goals against average. As I said, Rasko struggled a little bit, very much. So he had an 8.80 save percentage and then a 3.50 goals against average. And that's one of the reasons. (laughs) Definitely those two reasons were um, why he was given maybe the most brutal, one of the most brutal sports nicknames of all time. For a goalie, I should say. Yeah. Um he, he actually had a decent record in the NHL. Actually pretty decent for such a terrible nickname. Uh twenty-six wins, twenty-three losses, and eight ties. And he had two shutouts. Yeah, there you go. Um he his I, career lasted years. Like I mean, he didn't play a ton of games in the NHL, but he had some stops in the minor leagues.
0: I just remember Don Cherry, I think it was Rockam Sock'em five when he's like Andre Red Light. I remember him saying it's just here. torching them. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, quite a infamous nickname in the uh, in the hockey world for sure. Uh, so going into the next guy, this one's a bit. As I said, there might be some scary nicknames, <laughs> and this guy was a scary man on the ice. Derek, the Boogeyman, Bug- Bugard. I like um, also, that one too. Yeah. It's a really good name. So Bougard played as a lot of, you know, for hockey fans out there, played most of his career in Minnesota, Minnesota wild. And he was hugely popular in the twin cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And, um, he was six foot seven, 260 pounds and he was an enforcer. Um, so, you know, Obviously, guys, fighters in the league and players that were not fighters were extremely intimidated by, by this guy just by his size, but he was also considered a great fighter as well. Unfortunately, the, the boogeyman died of uh, accidental uh, overdose of medication and alcohol in 2011. Yeah, so pretty, really sad story. I remember when yeah. that happened. Hockey
0: fighters, this isn't to make light. I mean, that nickname is awesome, like so intimidating. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the what fighters, went through back in the earlier eras and still go through. I mean, there are still guys who fight a bunch of times a season. Uh, I mean, they they put their health on the line and as we found out over the last decade or decade and a half, a lot of them uh, suffer the long-term effects, either lose their life through suicide or accidental death or so it's tough, but that is a great nickname. And, uh, I just remember that I think he fought. Was it Todd Fedoric who he basically oh, caved yeah. in the guy's
1: face? Yep, Jesus. I remember that. That was crazy, and Fedoric was no slouch with dropping the mitts. It would be. It would. I would
0: be if if I were an NHL player and, and were fighting and had to fight against Derek Boogaard, you'd see just like a little I, bit just of retire. You just, just see like some some yellow <laughs> water on the ice, freezing to the ice <laughs> right below my legs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so he's uh, from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he had, he scored in his career three goals and thirteen assists. Played in two hundred and seventy-seven NHL games. He also had five hundred and eighty-nine penalty minutes through his good career. collection. Yeah, so I actually have a story that's that's actually a sad story um, about Bugard. I, I one night I, I used to live in Minneapolis, and one night myself and a couple buddies saw. Bugard out with uh, Pavel Dimitra. It was just those Ooh. two guys, and both of them passed away and at young ages, which is really sad. Yeah, Dimitra Dim-
0: died in the plane and the pl- uh, plane crash in Russia, right? The KHL right. plane crash. Yeah,
1: that might have been around the same, like close to the same time. Like that was
0: 2011, I want to say. Probably. So it was the same year. Yeah, yeah probably.
1: Wow. Yeah, so I saw those two guys out, and it's kind of an eerie feeling that they're both dead and yeah it
0: <laughs> and it's is. not I mean, funny that, at all I, no no but, yeah. but I can, I, it's hard it's like you don't know how to react to it so all right. you can, it's like a nervous thing i right. feel the same way yeah 2011 I, I remember where i was when the plane crashed uh so sad yeah where, where it was a uh, lo- locomotive right was the team in that the whose plane crash
1: yeah i mean it was in the khl i i think there were i don't remember what where they were from but it was yeah the team name was locomotive.
0: Yeah. So not to get on a tangent, That this, this bothered me because that, that year at the end of the year, ESPN does their like players, athletes that have passed. They just didn't list. I think it was the SBs just did not list the Russian hockey team that had di- like entire team that died in the plane crash.
1: There. Like that's just terrible. Yeah. And you know what? There was, a, I don't think Demetra was the only guy that
0: played in the NHL. There was, there were a few the coach. I want to say was like a pretty, was a, uh, was an American coach maybe. I might be wrong. Yeah, and that. I don't remember
1: the coach's name, but it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of Canadian and American coaches are coaching in that league.
0: Yeah. Um. Sorry, but everybody, we're we're sorry for bumming you out. We'll cheer you up again.
1: Yeah. So the last last player. Yeah. we we were wanted to keep this a little funnier, but got a little got off a tangent a little bit there. Or what? What is it? Went on a tangent. It went on a tangent. Went off the rails. One off the rails, yeah. So, the next guy, this is a great nickname. Sometimes my buddies and I call each other this. Uh, Dave Cementhead Cemenko.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. that's so good. That He was a fighter too, right? Or no? No. Oh, yeah. He was, well, yeah.
1: I mean, with a nickname like Cementhead? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he wore a helmet, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah so he's known for being... <laughs> Wayne Gretzky's personal bodyguard. Yes um, and Gretzky always um, when he talks about his career gives Smanko a, a, you know a ton of credit for all of Wayne's success. Um, so he was probably one of the only enforcers ever to play actually get a stint on the first line in the NHL.
0: That is that is impressive, and I wonder. I gotta go look at his hockey DB. He gotta have some really good career. Um, Like, do you you wonder if he just got? Was do you think? I don't. I mean, this was kind of before my time, but like, he what? His max was twelve goals in the NHL, and most points in the year was twenty-seven. So, like, I mean, that's better than that's like speaking recent terms, like. uh, Sean Thornton or uh yeah. even Nicholas Delorier, the ducks. I mean the Ducks are terrible,
1: but he can score. And put I bet Bob Prover got some time on the first line, didn't he? In Detroit. Who I don't know. I mean they were pretty stacked, but I mean he wasn't he wasn't on the fourth line. No, who I I d I don't actually I mean, he know had to be some, He had some really good years.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of fighters in these and then the, the fighters always have the the fighters and goalies always have the best nicknames because it's like intimidating or hilarious.
1: Right. Yeah, so the so Cementhead, um, as I said, got some time on the first line in Edmonton. He spent majority of his career with the Oilers, Edmonton Oilers, but finished his last two seasons with the Hartford Whalers and the Toronto Maple Police, and that was in the 87 88 season. He played in 575 games, racking up 1,175 penalty minutes, and then he had 175 points. In those games, Uh, unfortunately, not to be sad again, (laughs) not to make you guys sad out there, but he did pass away in 2017. Um, But before, you know, before him passing away, was able to um, do some pretty cool things off the ice. He was um, at one time a color commentator for Oilers broadcast. Um, He was an assistant coach for the Oilers. And then he was a, a scout also for the, for, for Edmonton.
0: That's impressive. I mean, they really had a good career and, and, and timed it well. I mean, get to play on the Edmund best
1: Edmonton Oilers team in their
0: history and maybe one of the best dynasties in the NHL. Of
1: course. Yeah, it is. And well, while I guess Montreal Canadiens were pretty, pretty amazing, but yeah, the Oilers, I mean, in the eighties were unreal. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, so that's Dave Cementhead Samenko. Um those are the names I have for this round. Uh hopefully we will do the segment again. Um my um sources are a hockey writers article by Jeff Seedy, the best nicknames in hockey. DHW. Yep. <laughs> you uh we got a writer on this pod that writes for the hockey riders. Um I'm sure you'll you can talk about that at the end of the show if you'd sure. like. Give yourself a plug. <laughs> um, so uh, two other websites that I use were EliteProspects.com and HockeyDB.com.
0: Awesome. Let me add, I want to add my favorite nickname that I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Stru- Do you know what Stu Grimson's nickname was? The well, Grim I know Reaper? what it is. I know what it is. Do you want to say it? I just said it. Sorry. I just blew your, I blew your.
1: Oh yeah. The Grim Reaper. The
0: yeah. Grim Reaper. That's a good, that's probably my favorite one besides the boogeyman. I wonder,
1: I, I don't think they, played, did they maybe have some crossover in their careers? Uh,
0: no, I think, yeah, I think Grimson and, was done like in the late nineties.
1: Yeah. I, I was just thinking, imagine those two. off. Oh, my half.
0: goodness. Grimson's, uh, on the NHL network now, right? Or yeah. has been.
1: Yeah. He's a really smart guy.
0: Yeah. He is, he's a lawyer. Is he a lawyer? I believe so. Yeah. He finished in 2001, 2002. I don't think he overlapped with Bougard.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, that would have been quite a tilt.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a great, I, this is one, becoming one of my favorite segments. I love these nickname discussions.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Um, well, and you know, as intimid- you know, hockey's pretty physical sports. So some of these <laughs> nicknames are pretty intimidating too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. The, um, oh, and I, uh, back to the sad, uh, thing. So the, the coach I was thinking of, I just want to, just don't want to let it go past without saying that hey, yeah. the coach who I was thinking of, uh, on the locomotive team was Brad McCrimmon.
1: You know what? I was going to say that I think he is from Brandon Manitoba. I want to say
0: he is from, uh, Dodds Land, Saskatchewan, at least that's where oh, he was born.
1: Okay. I think he might've coached the Brandon Wheat Kings. Maybe that's where I'm getting the Manitoba
0: connection. That sounds, that sounds accurate. I don't know, but probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting episode. I love the nicknames Uh, hockey. Like, like I said, probably rivals 1890s baseball as best nicknames.
1: (laughs) Well, and one good thing about doing these, well, fairly recent hockey nicknames, um, I mean, let's be honest. No one knew any of the baseball nicknames we used from the 1890s or whatever 70s, maybe. And you know, some of these guys are the only household names. Was, yeah, the that's only, my, the, the only. only Nolan,
0: the only Nolan. How did you remember that? I, that what is that? It's kind of it's kinda, it's, it's uh, catchy. It's, it just sticks in your brain.
1: The only, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those were my hockey nicknames. Um, Go for it. I don't yeah.
0: know what to say. Yeah. yeah Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean that'll, that'll do it, I think, for the episode. Uh since we brought it up, I'll just I'll just do my socials and stuff first since sure. we're basically on a topic. You can find me at Delhi Tweets, it's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T You can find me at Delhi Tweets, D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S, uh on Twitter and at the Media Delhi. Uh, on uh, on Instagram. You can also uh, find my writing at The Hockey Writers, which is uh, what we mentioned, one of an article about nicknames that Andrew read and then uh, uh, occasionally co-hosting the Totally Offsides podcast. So, Tune into all those things. And more importantly, tell your friends about this podcast if you like it. Uh, That's how we get more listeners. That's how people spread the word. Give us a rating on your local uh, or your favorite podcast app that you listen to us on. And give us some comments. Give us some feedback on Twitter, wherever you feel like you could. We're definitely going to listen to it. We want to make the show as as good as possible for you guys.
1: Yeah, you can find me at uh, AWLEN on Twitter. That's A-W-L-E-N-N. And as far as what I'm working on right now, I'm writing some NHL game recaps for um, um, a daily fantasy sports website and fantasy, just not regular fantasy sports website called rotoballer.com.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. RotoBaller, Check it out. I might need some of your advice uh, coming up because my fantasy hockey team is about to go. Uh oh, it's not daily fantasy, but maybe still get some advice. No, no,
1: I we do fan regular fantasy too.
0: Awesome, because my fantasy team's about to be own one, so uh, gonna need
1: some help. (laughs) It's still early, the shorter season, but it's still early. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in to the episode. We look forward to making more for you, and have a
1: good week. Thanks, guys.